It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I was right. Uh, no, I was right. I was right. Uh, we were right. We were right, weren't we? And you were right with us. And because you were right with us, we want to celebrate being right. We want to celebrate Philadelphia sports being good, but also we want to celebrate being right. In style at the Underground Arts Theater, Friday, December 22nd. There are a lot of guests already. You guys have Chris Ryan. Yes, of TheRinger.com. We're bringing on Larry Poff. He's of our baby. Right the Ricky Sanchez podcast, BGN Radio. We were right before Christmas live dual podcast show at the Underground Arts Theater. If you're not there, uh, you're square. You're a very, you're a fool. You're wrong. Actually, if it's cool to be square. If if you're okay, <laughs> Huey. If you're not there, let's put it this way: December twenty second, we were right before Christmas. If you're not there. You were wrong. That's right. Tickets on sale right now for $18, $20 day of. Don't wait for the day of. This will sell out. Undergroundarts.org. Hey, guys. John Barchard here, and I know what you're thinking. Listen, my fantasy season is over. There's really nothing for me to do. I say go download Draft. If you're tired of getting beat by the pros on the DFS salary cap sites, I hate math. I can't stand it. That's why I switched to Draft. Your chances of winning are 80% better on Draft. Plus, more than 1 million people have already downloaded Draft, and you can play in a real NFL or NBA draft right now and be done in under five minutes and get paid out the next day. Drafts are filling every second, so you can join one whenever you want. It's so convenient. Plus, if you go right now, all new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit and use the promo code BGNR. That's right, playing a real money draft right now just using the promo code BGNR. But it gets even better because if you don't like it, they guarantee your money back up to $100. No excuses now. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now with the promo code BGNR. You're listening to BGN Radio. It is second down and 11, Saints. Brace straight back. He's looking. He is hit. And down he goes. This time it is Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox has Breeze back at the 40-yard line. Hello and welcome back to the preview show where uh, we're going to be rebounding from a loss and discussing about the St. I almost said the St. Louis Rams again. I I still don't have it out of my head. Uh, I'm Vince Quinn. I'm here with Brandon Lee Gowton. We'll be taking you through the game. Uh, for, you know, the better part of an hour today. And, all right, so BLG, like, first thing, um, with the Rams being a team that, like, we hear so much about them, and 
that they're one of the top teams in the NFC, but for someone who might not have really seen the Rams, like, what's your impression of this team? First of all, I'm going to come in hot here. Start off the podcast with oh, yeah. a strong take right away. The Eagles are going to win this game, Vince. The Eagles are going to win this game. Uh, I think people are way too down on this Eagles team after that loss to Seattle. I mean, you saw it in the, if we'll talk about it later when we get to the NFL picks, but Look, this Rams team is good, but so are the Eagles. Like, I think somehow people are forgetting that. I mean, this Rams team, my impression of them is that they have one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL, in Wade Phillips. And Aaron Donald is arguably the best player in the NFL. That's a tough matchup. This Rams team has a lot of things going for them. They're obviously tied with the Eagles in terms of points per game, so they can put up points. Jared Goff is playing a, a lot, lot better than his rookie year, which is not saying much because he, he was awful as a rookie. The offensive line is better. Todd Gurley is there. The Rams have a bunch of weapons. They're a good team. There's no doubt about it. But I just think when you look at how this Eagles team matches up against them, and I'm, we'll get more into that throughout this show, I think this is a game they very much can win. Yeah, I, I think so too because – my first impression, if I was to just like put them in a in a neat little box, you know the idea of like an elevator pitch, um, like that's if I had to do that for the Rams, it's basically that they're like if the Eagles are Budweiser, they're Bud Light. Um, they like they just have a lot of similar vibes. You know, the second year quarterback Goff's doing a pretty good job, but they have a great running game. Their offensive line, I think, is pretty good. Um, their defense, like it's all about the defensive line, and the rest of the guys just kind of figure it out. It, it's very, it, it is a, like alternate universe, parallel universe, like Eagles Rams here. I, I just think the connection is so interesting and fun, and and that's part of why I'm so excited for the game. I I love to see how the Eagles basically handle playing the Eagles. Yeah, the um again to me, it just. This has kind of been it's been a tough week, right? I think we can admit like it's 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 been a, a tough week because you look at what this Eagles team was going into Seattle and there was a confidence there that they could take care of a, a Seattle team that had been vulnerable at home and and definitely looked more beatable than they have in recent years and they didn't get it done. They played a game that if I had to use one word to describe that Eagles performance against the Seahawks I think it was uncharacteristic. I think it was frustrating, a frustrating game, but I think it was uncharacteristic of what we've seen out of this Eagles team in a bigger sample size this season. So going against this Rams team, I mean, this is a big game. You look at the storylines alone, I mean, there's no shortage of them. You have Jared Goff versus Carson Wentz, number one pick versus number two pick. You have coach of the year candidates. I mean, is it crazy to say that this game could kind of decide coach of the year? Like, how are you going to give coach of the year to Sean McVay if Doug Peterson somehow blows out this Rams team? I'm not saying like that's necessarily going to happen, but I just think that's kind of an interesting thing to another angle to the game. Um, you have... This is what's kind of cool to me. I'm sure you saw this, Vince. The Fox Game Day show—they're doing it live from the Coliseum. Like, when, when, since when have they done that? Like, this is a big game with national attention. It's going to be a real interesting test for this Eagles team, especially coming off of that loss to Seattle, to kind of prove that that was a a fluke game in the sense of that was all right. We played bad. That was one game. Now let's right the ship. Let's beat a good team on the road. Yeah, and, and the Rams, again, they are a good team. And it's so crazy to think about because, 
Like the Eagles surprised me, and I thought they were a seven and nine team, eight and eight team, and and obviously they're just amazing. And for the Rams, they go from being one of the worst teams in the league, and I think they've gone from maybe the thirtieth offense in the league last year, points wise, to number one. They're the, they're the highest. Like it's never been done before. The swing that the Rams have had from one year to the next, from one coach to the other, and and so like I I do want to focus for a minute on this coach of the year thing that you mentioned a minute ago because it's true I I think this is the game that decides coach of the year and to have uh, two coaches who are doing such a good job like play calling wise it, it gets me really into the game because. Let's be real. I love a good defense, and I can enjoy elements of a defense that just shuts down a good offensive team. But I want to see exciting plays. I want to see 20-yard gains, and I want to see you know flea flickers or crafty reverses or, or whatever it is that's going to happen. And in the same way that we've seen it with Doug Peterson throughout the year, they'll do some cool little wrinkles in the offense. Like, I... I love what the Rams do offensively, and for me, I'm just I'm just excited to see the show, BLG, that, that both of these coaches put on. And now that you say that, it'll be like a, a three to two game somehow. No, it won't be <laughs> Wouldn't that, that be hilarious if that happened, though? I, I feel like that always happens in the NFL. We're like two high-flying offense going up against each other, and then it ends up being like, you know, 17 to, to 14 or something like that. It's, it's not quite that kind of game. Uh, and who knows? Like again, these defenses are both good too. So it's not just like uh, uh, it's it's two great offenses and two bad defenses. So maybe it does come in a little bit closer to that under than we might expect looking at it. But uh, you know, I think this Rams team they do a number of things well. And when we talk about Sean McVay, that's kind of an interesting name as far as a concern for this Eagles game because Sean McVay was with Washington when the Eagles couldn't beat Washington. And now there's other factors that go into that. They have Kirk Cousins, and and for whatever reason, they, Washington just seemed to have the Eagles' number. I don't know if that's all just because Sean McVay was there, but that's a factor that I think about when we're talking about this matchup. And he's obviously been with that Washington team when they were able to beat the Eagles, so... Uh, that is a concern for me going into this one. I think um, the way that offense is playing as a whole is almost similar to the Eagles, where they don't have one necessarily dominant player in their wide receiving core on offense that they have to rely on. They have a number of good offensive players, but it's not like just one guy. They can spread the ball around just like the Eagles can. Uh, they have a lot of different weapons. Their offensive line is playing well. So this this Rams offense has a lot of things going for them, and it'll be a big test against this uh, for this Eagles defense. And it, you know what it reminds me of a little bit is I think if you're looking at this game for the Eagles, it kind of reminds me when the Eagles played the Falcons last year in Philadelphia, and there was a very unique strategy. Well, I, I don't know, it's like it's not unique in the sense the Eagles were and doing anything new in the NFL, but the Eagles took a very deliberate attempt in that game to run the ball and control the clock and not let the Falcons be on the field a lot and give the offense extra opportunities to score. I think that could be a similar approach this week against the Rams. You know, it should be because when you look at one of the things that the Rams don't do well and it's hard to find, it's run defense. And and it's kind of surprising too because like you hear Aaron Donald and Robert Quinn, and and even though he's not like a big name, like Michael Brockers was a top pick, and they've kept him around. So 
they've got talent on the defensive line. That's where they've put the emphasis, and that's how they try to to win games more or less is trying to get that pass rush going. And uh, yeah, the run game they just can't stop. So when you've got the opportunities this week, like Seattle was an average run defense. And the Eagles, I just thought the game planning was bad. Like, they ran right into the teeth of the defense, and I didn't understand that. But it shouldn't be last week the way it was this week. I mean, for me, BLG, like, I'm with you that they've just got opportunities to run this ball all day today. I don't know why I said today, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to see, yeah, right. I want to see them get a little more creative in the run game than they were in Seattle, I think. Like you said, it was it was too much a little a little too much Legarrette Blunt taking it up the middle for me. Like, that's not going to work against a team like Seattle that's so stout. That's not the approach I love to see. I wanted to see a little bit more of Jay Ajayi. And to be fair, Jay Ajayi took the most snaps of any Eagles running back in that game. So it's not like they totally just got away from him. But I would like to see the Eagles adopt that strategy again. I think there was something to what I said earlier about how the Eagles went up against the Falcons team in Philadelphia last year, and they pretty much shut that offense down except for one blown coverage by our old friend Leotis McKelvin there. I mean, they did a really good job on that Falcons team, and I think that's what it's comparable here. I think the Eagles need to look to run the ball and control the clock, and they have the tools to do it. They have an offensive line, assuming Halapuli Vati Vaitai and Stefan Wisniewski don't get totally dominated like they did against the Seahawks, which is a concern. Maybe that happens, but I think this is a game where you come out, and especially after a game where Carson Wentz not having his best game, maybe kind of get his confidence going a or little bit by kind of easing him in and, and starting to run the ball and maybe open up some play action for him. And then at that point, hopefully he doesn't overthrow a wide open Nelson Aguilar or anyone else out there. But uh, I think this is a, a defense that the Eagles can attack with the running game, so I hope they do it early and often. Well, yeah, and they certainly should, and you know, having the backs to rotate makes it that much easier. But the other thing is too, like I've been, we've been talking about the front that they have, but when it comes to the linebackers in the secondary, uh, I don't know if there's anyone that impresses you, but for me, like I don't see anybody out there that I'm like, oh man, this is a dominant player, and you know, not even a Pro Bowl guy, but just like a like a hometown Pro Bowl guy, you know what I mean? Like everyone at home in the in the fan base knows that the player's really good, but they don't quite get that recognition. Like Brandon Graham for a few years. Like there's there's no guy like that that really sticks out to me outside of you know Aaron Donald pretty much. What about you? Yeah, I mean one of their safeties is named John Johnson, and I honestly don't know <laughs> who that is off the top of my head. I don't. Uh, former Eagles. Draft pick Blake Countess is on their team as a backup safety. Lamarcus Joyner is a guy who got some hype coming out of Florida State. He's kind of a feisty little guy. He can make some plays. I was a big fan of Kayvon Webster. I wanted the Eagles to actually sign him in free agency. He was like a, a fourth corner on that Denver team, which already has a number of good cornerbacks. So I thought he was an interesting player. Yeah, the secondary as a whole, not bad by any means. And and a guy who's actually played well for them in the slot was released by the Bills earlier this year. And it's the weirdest thing. His name is Nickel Roby Coleman, and he plays nickel cornerback. I mean, like, could you get a better name for a nickel cornerback? I mean, it's, it's literally in his name. So they have some, like, good, solid guys in the secondary. I wouldn't say it's a bad secondary by any means. Um, Mark Barron, former high draft pick, he's a linebacker now. Alec Ogletree. 
banged up his arm uh, against the uh, the Cardinals last week, but it sounds like he'll play. So they have some guys on there who, again, they're not they're not name recognition guys. They're they're fine, but I think that's part of why the run defense isn't so great. I mean, you have a that defensive line that's talented, but as you said, there there's not like this star power uh, beyond the defensive line on their team. Yeah, so I I love that opportunity wise. If I'm Doug Peterson, because I think of like uh, watching the Rams games, what I've seen is that a lot of times they'll do, you know how like they're a four three team, but they'll they'll get one of the linebackers and or at least the or maybe they're a three four team, but but the way they line up because it is Wade Phillips, but it's weird because when they line up, you see five guys basically right on the line of scrimmage, and so when you've got them lined up like that, you've got opportunities to, you know, break through that line and once you do, you got the second level wide open and you can get all these big, big gains and, and just chunk yardage on the ground is something that if the Eagles are doing that strategy of, hey, let's run the ball a lot, let's control the clock, let's keep that offense off the field, then yeah, they got time to do it all day. So I I'm really excited for that and you know, fantasy playoffs if you're going with uh a guy like Legarrett Blunt or Jay Ajayi, I get it. I, I think it's a good start. But uh, the other thing to talk about for the Eagles and in terms of plan of attack, uh, the passing game, obviously. So for Wentz, I, I think this is a, a very different week. And it seemed like, and, and you can tell me what you thought of the game, but it seemed like last week they tried hard to get plays downfield, like they schemed it. And uh, if those things downfield didn't work, they, they figured they would be able to take yardage underneath and it just didn't work out. And like this week, I don't think they're going to have that kind of limitation, and I would I would expect them to have a little more a little more freedom to operate uh, and run a, a more typical Eagles passing game plan. You know, like uh, I'm trying to you know just basically every other game, like Alshon eight yard slants and Zach Ertz in the middle of the field for ten yards, that kind of stuff. What do you think? Yeah, early on in in last week's game, it was disappointing. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey, the fifty two million dollar man, had. No targets in the first half. That's not exactly great. And I think there might have been some plays there where Carson Wentz had an opportunity to get it to him, or at least there should have been, you know, some 50-50 ball opportunities, which aren't necessarily the the play you should be looking for all the time. But I mean, it's a tough game. You're in Seattle. Maybe you have to hit one of those to kind of move the chains at one point. And then just Carson's inaccuracy being a big problem. There were there were times in that game where guys were. I mean, we saw it with Aguilar. He was wide open. Not only in the first or early in the game and one of the first drives there where Wentz just misses the throw high, then later in the game where Aguilar, he hits him the, the next time, but the pass is too low. And who knows? Maybe Aguilar gets a touchdown or at least he puts the Eagles in the red zone there. Uh, just it's that was a frustrating game, especially from Carson. There's it's it's funny kind of to me to. Uh, to be revisiting this conversation after we were talking about Car- is Carson Wentz overrated last week? Ah. I don't think he is. I don't think he is. <laughs> I just think he's not a finished product yet. I don't think that means um, that he's overrated. <laughs> I think he just he, it's frustrating with the with the overthrows because I, I still think about that play. Like I still can't get over that play. I know it's just one play, and it doesn't undo all the good things Carson Wentz has done this season. I'm not trying to say he sucks but for him to miss that play i mean like what what is what what's going on there i just there's no pressure 
the Aguilar's wide open. You had time to throw. Like, how are you missing that throw? So uh, this is a game, another game where the Eagles don't have that margin for error, and Carson Wentz needs to be sharper in this one, which is why I was saying earlier, maybe you kind of open things up by running the ball and get some, getting some play action going so you're not asking him to come out right away and kind of carry the team if he's not going to be hot as he was. I mean, this team just has to execute better than they did against the Seahawks. It comes down to that. I mean, they were moving the ball against Seattle. They got to the red zone twice, and they didn't score a touchdown one time. Like, that can't happen. And not only did they not score a touchdown, they turned the ball over in the end zone, and you know, which is terrible. So uh, the execution has to be better this week. I thought it was interesting how after the Seahawks game, you heard Doug Peterson, you heard some of the players even say that they didn't have their best week of practice, which to me kind of sounds funny because it's like, all right, how much does practice like really matter here? But I don't know. Maybe they weren't as sharp as they needed to be. Maybe the 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 attitude, the seriousness wasn't there. You you hope that's not the case because there's concerns if that was and starts to linger. But it's an interesting element this week. The teams out west, they're they're practicing at the Angel Stadium. And uh, it's funny because, like, if this Eagles team goes out and loses on Sunday, people will be like, oh, it was such a dumb decision to stay out west. But if they win, then it'll be like, oh, you know, it was smart to stay out west. So kind of funny little uh, revisionist history there. Well, what do you think of that, by the way? Like, are you supportive of the West Coast thing? Because I think it's a good idea for them to stay out there. I totally support it. Yeah, I mean, I think it just it wastes time if you're flying. I mean, it's that's four cross country trips in the span of two weeks there, um, and especially a little wrinkle there with Zach Ertz, like having suffered a concussion. The fact that he can kind of just be brought down to California, and then he's there, and then they can kind of have him there and not have to worry about him traveling across a cross country flight later in the week with the the concussion he's going through there. I think that may be helps his chances of playing i don't know but uh i'm fine with it again i think the criticism will only come if they lose people will be like some people will be like oh it was such a dumb idea i i don't think it has a a big impact yeah i i just think that you know peterson's handled the team well and given the fact that that seattle game it really does feel like a wake-up call is just like the way peterson responded to it and players like in press conferences and stuff, it, it just felt like they all got it like, okay, we got a little bit sloppy and a little bit full of ourselves. Let's get this thing together. And so, like, you know, I, they're going to enjoy the sights of L.A. a little bit, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like, they're human and they're 26-year-old millionaires. But uh, the, the other fact is, like, yeah, having the idea of building it over the course of a week, having a couple of days at the facility, like, you know, on vacation, it's like the third day of the trip. You know where everything is in the house that you're staying at. You might know where the general store is. If you're going fishing, you know where the pier is. Like All those things, you build stability pretty quickly, and I don't think it disrupts the team either. Now, in terms of the game itself, uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm curious about, because like Wentz, you were just talking about him, and obviously execution is going to be a big deal. The Rams put up something like 30, 31 points a game, and so you can't screw around with these guys. You have to put up points. It's like uh, playing the Saints from a couple of years ago. So in this kind of situation, like, he's important. But who do you think another guy is that is a X factor for this game on the offense? 
Um, I want to see more from Alshon. I mean, I said it earlier. He had zero targets in the first half against the Seahawks. I just how how can that happen? We can't we can't see that. Uh, it's not good enough. I thought Alshon had an okay game overall, but I, I want to see a little more out of him, especially in a game like this. He, I want to see some more of those fifty fifty throws. I like take a chance at some point and and try to make a big play, especially if the offense is struggling. Or, you know, you get into the red zone and you need a, a touchdown like that. I mean, trust the guy that you paid all this money to make a play. Another thing is like a negative X factor, maybe, or like a okay, guy we yeah, need to see sure. less of. Why not? Is, is Tory. <laughs> like, we need to see less of Tory Smith, man. Uh, I think Tory has been, like, signing him made sense to me. I think he's contributed to this team. I'm not trying to paint him as this useless guy because I don't think he is, but. Kind of lately, I mean, he hasn't been really helping this team a lot. He, In theory, he brings a deep threat, but the, the production's just not there, man. They need to get Mac Hollins more involved. We've seen Mac Hollins be productive in his limited opportunities. I'm not saying you have to give Torrey Smith zero snaps. I don't think that's realistic. Even if uh, I just don't think they're going to do that, even if we all wanted them to do that. I think, though, that they really need to get Mac Hollins more involved here. Because you're just not getting that production out of Torrey Smith. I mean, it was frustrating to to watch the Seahawks game once again, and and Torrey had like, I can't remember the exact stat here, but it was something like five catches for 27 yards. It was like those short little dumb outs that weren't really contributing anything to the offense. Yeah, Torrey Smith, uh, and and that was the thing too. Like they tried for all this conservative underneath stuff, and and it just didn't work. And Torrey Smith isn't like. And after the catch guy, as much as he's just like you throw him the ball when he's already 50 yards down the field and that's how he gets the yardage. So uh, I thought that was questionable. And for Mac Hollins, like he's been so good whenever he touches the ball that how can you not get him out there? I know his snap counts have been better, but man, yeah, he's got to be out there over Torrey all the time. And I'm I'm totally with you on that. Now, the guy that I would like to see or the the guys, I guess in this case, that I think are the X factor, it comes down to that combination – of Brandon Brooks and Kelsey. Like, Aaron Donald is going to be right in between those two for most of the night. Like, they, I mean, he moves around the line a little bit, and so you could see him at defensive end on one play. You could see him uh, on the other side as defensive tackle on another play, but primarily he's going to be lined up over Brooks. And if they can't handle him, and Wentz is dealing with pressure right up the middle, all game long, I mean, that's just such a massive problem. And, and Kelsey's got a history. As much as he's been great this year, he's got a history of struggling with gigantic, powerful defensive tackles, and that's exactly what Donald is. And so if there's situations where he's one-on-one with Aaron Donald or, or if the Rams try to scheme it that way so that they get a couple of cracks at him uh, one-on-one, I mean, man, I just I really worry about that, and I think it's a massive concern. It's a big concern for sure. Aaron Donald, I remember back when he was in the draft, that was the one player I did not want the Giants to get. I was like, please, Giants, do not draft Aaron Donald. You can take Odell Beckham, and I'm still fine that they have Odell Beckham over Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald, again, might be the best player or the best defensive lineman at the very least in the NFL. I mean, that guy, we talk about Fletcher Cox being a game record, and no disrespect to Fletcher Cox, who's great and having a Pro Bowl season in his own right. But, I mean, this guy, <laughs> oh, my gosh, he's a monster. He kind of reminds me of Brandon Graham in the sense that he's not the most – like, he's not your prototypical 
guy and and like Brandon Graham isn't your prototypical defensive end. He's not six foot six and he's not a, a a speed rusher. He's more of a power guy. And I think those guys are becoming a little more rare in today's NFL. I think the same thing's kind of true with Aaron Donald. He's not like super tall. He's not uh, that kind of prototypical defensive end in terms of pure size. But he you know he's he's stout and he's powerful and he's physical and he's he can generate pressure. I mean, he hasn't even played the whole season there. He already has eight sacks. I mean, that's definitely a concern for this Eagles team. One of the concerns coming out of that Seahawks game was the left side of the offensive line just totally not holding up well enough with Big V allowing too much pressure to to Frank Clark. And then Stefan Wisniewski, too. He didn't play a great game either and probably getting more of a pass than he should because Big V is the easy target, especially, you know, he's trying to replace Jason Peters. And he's he's the guy everyone's focused on, especially when something does go wrong. So this offensive line needs to be better. That was arguably their worst game, or at least one of their worst games of the season against Seattle. It wasn't the reason they lost, or the the only reason at least. But it's a big challenge this week. Again, I think I feel good about this Eagles team going to this Rams game, but there are a few things that really concern me and Aaron Donald I think he probably has to be number 1 really yeah he he's their biggest star player he's absolutely dominant and the way the game's changed too where defensive tackles are basically just as important as defensive ends just in terms of supplying that interior pass rush when it, which a guy like Donald which a guy like Cox can do there's no question about it now the other side of the ball and their other star is Todd Gurley and when you're talking about what the Rams have to do to beat the Eagles or what the Eagles have to do to shut down the Rams, um, you got to start with Todd Gurley. I mean, the guy is just, he continues to be excellent. And, and it's weird because like his numbers weren't there last year, but the offense was just so bad. I I think he, do you remember this? There was a point where I think he called Jeff Fisher's offense, like a preschool offense or something like that. Sounds about right. Yeah, like he completely just shat all over Jeff Fisher and what they were doing over there, and it was hilarious. And this year, like Todd Gurley explodes. I think he's the second leading rusher in the entire NFL. So over 12 games, he's got uh, 939 yards, eight touchdowns. That's good for 4.2 yards a carry. And it's not just that he runs the ball, BLG. It's that he's a receiver, too. Like this guy... 48 catches, 563 yards, three touchdowns. He is a dynamic threat all over the field, and if the Eagles want to win this game, they absolutely 100% have to check on Todd Gurley. Yeah, I I was doing my three over and unders, as I always do on my Monday edition of the BGN Radio Daily Podcast, the afternoon QB, and one one of them that Stephen Lee gave to me was 125 yards from scrimmage for Todd Gurley, and I don't think I'm super worried about him rushing the ball. I mean, he, I know he's talented in that, but this Eagles run defense has been so good that I trust them in that. But the thing that you just said there about his receiving ability, that's the concern. I mean, this guy, if he's getting matched up with some of these Eagles linebackers, I mean, we saw it last week against Seattle where they just didn't really stand uh, much of a chance. You saw Michael Kendricks get burned by J.D. McKissick, who I still don't think is even a real player. I mean, that's not even <laughs> a real name to me. Uh, we saw it with Mike Davis, too, beating Kendricks, and I think even Bradham at one point got beat. So these, that's a big concern, these Eagles linebackers getting matched up against Todd Gurley. We know Sean McVay will get creative and try to create some of those matchups 
And it's not like you can just key on him because you still have to deal with some of the wide receivers they have too. So absolutely, Gurley, more so in the receiving game to me, is is really something that this Eagles defense has to make sure they have figured out. Well, yeah, because Gurley, and, and this is this is an interesting stat, he's their third wide receiver on the team. Like, he has more Makes yardage. Sense. Yeah, he's got more receptions and yardage than Sammy Watkins right now. So... Like, that's the kind of player that he is for this team. He's so dynamic. Now, I, I will say, I, I think the running game and shutting him down in the running game is more of a concern for me. And the reason I say that is because they love the play action out there. I mean, they are just constantly... I don't know if the stat is out there for who uses play action more than anybody else, but from all of the other teams that I've scouted throughout the year as we do all these preview shows, I, I can't say that I've seen a team do it more than the Rams. And so, like, for me, the imperative is on Jim Schwartz to, first off, I would shut down the run. Like, no questions asked. I'm, I'm making sure that Todd Gurley doesn't get comfortable, doesn't get ahead of steam, and can't maintain any drives here. Because if you can shut that down, the nice thing is then, okay, once they can't run the ball and they have to more or less give up on it, like teams have done against the Eagles plenty of times this year. Like, if they can get to that stage, then... You can't really play action. Like, how do you fake something that you're not doing, right? So uh, I really hope that they can get that done, and then you eliminate the idea of the bootlegs and think, you know, getting those linebackers to hesitate because if it is Kendricks that's going to be covering Todd Gurley, and plenty of times it could be, like that half-step hesitation that Kendricks could have in that scenario is deadly, perhaps. So you, you – by eliminating the run game, you eliminate that element, and then it comes down to just forcing Jared Goff to beat you, and if it gets to that kind of situation, I feel really good about their chances here. Absolutely, and that's why at the top of the show I did say I feel like the Eagles are going to bounce back and win this game this week because they're not facing Russell Wilson. (laughs) Russell Wilson is, man, I do not know how teams deal with that guy. I mean, they don't. I mean, Seahawks win a lot, clearly, but that it's just he's such a pain especially for this Eagles team and this Eagles team their strength being rushing the passer and generating pressure when you have a guy like Russell Wilson he can eliminate that by running around and even if again like I was saying last week even if he doesn't always make the big play he can run around and throw an incomplete pass and that avoids uh, a sack or something bad happening Jared Goff not the case I actually saw a stat somewhere on Twitter, I think it was uh, recently where Jared Goff stays in the pocket more than any other quarterback in the NFL. So, in in that sense, he's almost the perfect matchup for this Eagles team because I think they can get pressure on him. And again, this this Rams offensive line has played well, so that's the challenge there. But I think this Eagles defensive line has proven that they've gone up against some good offensive lines, like Washington earlier in the season when they were healthy, and the Chiefs. Uh, which maybe not looking as good now, but still uh, they've faced some good offensive lines here and they've gotten pressure. I think the Eagles will be able to get pressure on Goff and he's not going to be able to run out and avoid some of these sacks like Russell Wilson was at all. So I think that's why I feel a lot better about them this week. The concern with that, the counter to that would be if the Rams start going to this quick passing offense which we've seen that's burned the Eagles before. We saw it last year when Aaron Rodgers comes to town and he's the one kind of just over and over hitting these little short, quick passing plays, negating the Eagles' pressure. We saw it last week against Seattle where Russell Wilson was doing that. When he wasn't holding the ball, 
was getting it out quick and the Eagles couldn't handle it well. So that's the concern with Goff is if he's going to be throwing these short little plays and kind of getting those and the Eagles can't handle them, that's going to be frustrating. But I think if uh, I think if he's going to be holding on to the ball, I think the Eagles can get to him and I think they will get to him. Yeah, I think so too. It's like, yeah, the Russell Wilson stuff is just so crazy. Like the way he could run back, you know, 10, 12 yards and still be looking downfield and make throws. Like, no, literally no one else in the league can do what he does. It's, it's like, unfair. <laughs> it, it is. Like, he's basically what Michael Vick was supposed to be. Like, he's not as quick as Vick, but man, I mean, just like, it, it's so ridiculous and unreal and fun to watch, as, as frustrating as it was from an Eagles standpoint. Like, he's just fun as hell, all hell, and I love seeing him play. But g- going to Jared Goff again, like, Goff is a guy that, yeah, he's not moving anywhere. He's... He kind of reminds me of Jay Cutler in his early career. Like, he's quick enough to run if he has to. And I even right. saw them just last week. They ran a they ran a read option, which I didn't think they would. But they did. They ran it at the goal line. And it was, you know, it was like third and one at the four. So they run the read option. Goff is able to shimmy his way in. He not only gets the first, but gets a touchdown. And so, like, he can move if he has to. But he's definitely not that kind of guy. And so... Yeah, the defensive line should have plenty of opportunities. Like, I respect the Rams line, and I think they're above average. And it's not going to be, like, a field day, but they're going to have shots to do it. And, like, this could be a game with, you know, four sacks in it, and I wouldn't be all that surprised. I I got a little carried away last week. I said six sacks uh, was (laughs) was my guess on Wilson. I just totally underestimated the guy. But this week, like, if you could get... Four sacks against uh, against Goff. I think that's a sign. That's a recipe for success here. Like it's just they got plenty of chances to do it, and he can't move all that well. Now, uh, with the receivers too. Like one thing that has to be mentioned when you're talking about the Rams' offense is there's no Robert Woods, and he's got a shoulder injury, and he, I don't know how much longer he's going to be out, but he's been hurt for a couple of weeks now, and he's their leading wide receiver at this point. BLG, like that's a big loss for them. Yeah, it sounded like they were expecting him more back next week. They play the Seahawks next week in week 15. It sounded like that was the more realistic scenario. From what I saw, Robert Woods didn't participate in the Rams' walkthrough today on Wednesday. And again, I stress walkthrough there. They didn't even have a full practice, and he couldn't even participate in that. So they'll probably be without him. He was their leading receiver, yes, before getting hurt. So not having him hurts. They still have some good guys, though, you know, with Sammy Watkins having a productive year and with um, Cooper Cup, John Barcher's favorite receiver, who he actually (laughs) totally hated (laughs) leading up to the draft. Um, Having him there, I think even Josh Reynolds, rookie, uh, has been doing decent for them in the absence of Robert Woods. They They still have options there. None of them are dominant guys, which maybe makes you feel good going up against this Eagles uh, secondary group. That's another thing, though, that has to be better this week. I didn't think the Eagles secondary played well enough last week. We saw it with pretty much almost every player. I think almost every player in that secondary had at least one pretty bad moment. Jalen Mills missed a couple of tackles, wasn't awesome in coverage. You had Ronald Darby. uh, He gave up some plays. He also committed a face mask that wasn't called, didn't have any, got called for the pass interference penalty, which is probably kind of a BS penalty, but still not great. Rodney McLeod, hard, hard for, to blame him completely for getting matched up on Doug Baldwin in that situation, but 
personally, you know, I, I, I would like to see it played a little bit closer, but maybe I'm just being too harsh on there. And the blitz was probably the, the real fault for making that call. But even Patrick Robinson, who's been great for the Eagles this year, I mean, he had a penalty or two and gave up some plays and coverage. So this Eagles secondary needs to play better, and I think it will if you have that pressure getting there to Jared Goff and you don't have Russell Wilson who's going to be able to buy the time and kind of make life tougher on this Eagles secondary. Uh, another quick thing on Goff that I wanted to touch on was that he has small hands. He has tiny hands. That was one of the <laughs> knocks on him Yeah, coming out of the draft. So uh, if this Eagles team does get the chance to sack him and pressure him, maybe he fumbles. I mean, that would, that would be very nice. Uh, he has four fumbles this year. He had five last year in only seven games. So that's something to watch there. And another thing that our, our lead draft writer at BGN, Ben Natan, has talked about with Jared Goff is he kind of snowballs a little bit. If you kind of get to him early and maybe he throws a pick early on, he kind of kind of just, you know, it all goes downhill from there for him, or at least it did in college at times. So I think if the Eagles can really jump on him and get him rattled early, I think that could kind of throw him off for the entire game. Yeah, he's a guy that, like, even last week they ran over the Cardinals, uh, but it, it wasn't as as crazy as it looked with a score of 32-16. to 16, But there were a couple of times in that game where, you know, he made some throws that were very makeable and he just completely whiffed on them. And it was, it was kind of head-scratching to see him make plays like that because he, throughout the year, he's been such a good quarterback. And, and real quick, by the way, I would like to state just what his numbers have been from last year to this year because it's like the difference is so crazy and and it, it really shows you how much he's grown and how good McVay's been coaching this team. Like last year, he throws he plays seven games, he loses all of them. He's 0-7 as a rookie. 54.6 completion percentage. Ugh. Yeah, 1,089 yards total. And then on top of that, five touchdowns, seven interceptions. It's just a, a terrible year in a seven-game uh, rookie season. And then this year he's got 12 games under his belt. He's 9-3. and three. He's throwing 62.2%. So he's up basically 8% in his completion percentage. He's at 3,184 yards, 20 touchdowns, 6 picks. Like he's, he's a good quarterback now. He's not the guy that people laughed at last year. And it, it is a guy that, even though he's not as good as Wentz, you certainly have to respect him and and the capability of this offense. Like, you were talking about some of the weapons just a couple of minutes ago, and these guys aren't, you know, world-beating players necessarily, but they do a good job. Like, Tavon Austin is a guy that, um, he's not the greatest receiver, but they'll put him in the backfield sometimes and give you interesting looks. Gerald Everett is a backup tight end, but when he's in there, like, He's occasionally getting targets in the red zone, and, and he can do some stuff for you. Like uh, Sammy Watkins is there. Cooper Cup is there. So they do have talent. You do have to respect it. And it's it's one of those games like we'll, we'll get to the final score soon, but it's going to be fun to see how much the score – like what I don't know what the over-under is on this game, actually. I, I have the spread, but I, I don't know what the over-under is, and I would figure it's really it's 48. high. 48. Wow. So – yeah, that's. I mean, that sounds about right. Like this is a team, or these are two teams that just score at will, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Now, uh, just out of curiosity, BLG, like the Eagles lose to Seattle, and people panic a little bit. 
You know, it's this idea of, uh-oh, okay, now they lost a the game. Like, the magic ride is over. We're not just going to beat everybody on the way to the Super Bowl, which, you know, not really a surprise, but some people the bubble bursting was was a bit of a shock. So let's say they lose this week. Like, they, they just get, even if it's a close game and they lose to the Rams on the road, are you worried about this team? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> how could you not? If they lose two in a row... Um, there's going to be some level of concern. Do, is it, am I worried to the point where I think they can't win the Super Bowl? No, because I think that's a little too reactionary. But, I mean, that, uh, another loss would certainly highlight concerns here. Um, it, it, it does depend in the fashion that it would be. I mean, if they got blown out, then, yeah, I'm, I'm really concerned. But if it's another close game, then if it's one that comes down to the wire and, you know, the, the, it just comes down to the team that has the final possession, like, I don't think so. I'm – all out on this Eagles team all of a sudden. Again, this is a really good Rams team. They actually rank number one overall in DVOA by Football Outsiders, so the advanced metrics like them a lot. Uh, they have a lot of things going for them. I think they're still beatable just because of the way the Eagles match up against them. So that would be disappointing just from the fact that I do have this confidence that the Eagles will bounce back this week and they will play better and they have a better matchup in this game than they did in the Seahawks game. Again, I was looking back at a piece I did during the bye week where I was predicting the Eagles' record for the the rest of the year, and it was kind of funny to me. I looked back at it, and I you know I, I predicted a loss in Seattle, and it, it kind of went exactly as how I said. I, I said that you know look, the Seahawks team might be depleted, but they still have Russell Wilson, and he can make plays. He can kind of negate the Eagles' biggest strength with the with which is the defensive line, and. And Seattle's a tough place to play, even though that they're banged up. So, and even though that they lost a couple games there, so I, I picked them to lose that game, but I picked them to win this one back then during the bye week because I think they would split on this West Coast trip. I think they. A lot of people have been talking about the whole. Well, is it a good thing the Eagles lost? And some people think it is because they think, you know, the Eagles got punched in the mouth, and now they they know that they don't need to mess around. I think that's a little silly because it's like. That should never be. They sh- you shouldn't need to know that you can't lose in order to 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 know that you can't lose. I mean, like the standard should be higher than that. But uh, I do think that the Eagles can take this opportunity to be like, all right, we really we weren't being sharp. We were being uncharacteristic against the Seahawks. We made too many mistakes. This is a game against the Rams where it's a huge game. It's really important. If the Eagles don't win this game, their chances at a first-round bye go down by a lot. Conversely, if they win this game, they pretty much wrap up a first-round bye. So there's a lot at stake here in this game. And if they come out flat or they have another game like they did in Seattle, then I'd be pretty concerned. Yeah, I I want to be cons- like my my core is just like you know if they lose this game, it's like oh crap, the sky is falling. What are we gonna do? You know, but. Uh, I I look at this, and you know, for me, I'm I'm really not worried even if they lose this game, just because you've got three weeks to figure it out still, and you've got bad teams to beat up on to figure it out. I, and I know part of the criticism is, well, they haven't beaten good teams, but I think beating a good team in a close game is totally equal to getting a team like the Bears and just crapping all over them, or a team like the Niners and crapping all over them, like. The, the complete games and being able to just 
dominate an opponent that you're supposed to, not stooping to their level, I think is important. And so if they get a couple of weeks, even if they lose this, to build the confidence back up, to get things back in gear, and be kind of hungry when it comes playoff time, I I think they're basically the same, same team that we thought of a week ago, but they just got to play one more game. And so for me, I I feel fine with it. And, and again, I know it's, it's kind of weird to say, but it, it doesn't bother me too much. Now, with that, BLG, let's go to the picks. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell and play some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. And the picks are brought to you by the Sportsbook at Delaware Park. It's where you can wager and watch all of the pro football games on Sunday. Go to DelawarePark.com for more details. Delaware Park is a lottery agent for the Delaware Lottery. You must be 21 to play. And BLG, our first game, you have the Seattle Seahawks traveling to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tough game for them. Jacksonville is giving two and a half points. Your thoughts? man i am taking the seahawks again i i just don't know i don't watch every seahawks game obviously but i feel like i just don't know how they lose because when you have russell wilson and he can do that i just don't like how can you beat that it just feels unbeatable to me i'm obviously biased because of the way he plays against the eagles specifically which has been very well but i think the seahawks can win that game i like them with the points i know they're on the road but i think this seattle team is starting to round into form it's it's december they need to keep winning to make sure they stay in the playoff picture and that they potentially can still win the NFC West. So I'm going to take Seattle with the points there down in Jacksonville. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. As just, after I saw that game on Sunday, I just I believe that Russell Wilson could do anything. I think he can bring Israel and <laughs> Palestine together. I'm pretty sure he could do it if we gave him enough time. So yes. uh, he's just incredible. Yeah, I don't care that Jacksonville is one of the best teams in the league. They've got Blake Bortles. Seattle has Russell Wilson, and I, I think that's enough. Now the next game we have, and this is a fun playoff caliber game as well, the Minnesota Vikings go to the Carolina Panthers, and Carolina is giving, uh, or they're getting rather, two and a half points at home. What do you think? Now this is a big game for the Eagles. I mean, in order for the Eagles to have a shot again at that number one seed, they obviously have to take care of business themselves and, and win these games down the stretch. But they also need the Vikings to lose at least one game. And when you look at the Vikings' remaining schedule, this might be Minnesota's most losable game left, or at least one of them. So it would be great for the Eagles if the Vikings can somehow lose this game. I don't think they will. I think this Carolina team is kind of fraudulent in the sense that they're not they're above average for sure, but I don't think they're among the, the NFL's elite. I think... They're not one of the best teams in the league. I think they've gone up some against some of the other better teams, such as the Eagles and the Saints, and I think they haven't looked like they've belonged with those teams as much. So I think the, the way the Miss Minnesota team is playing, defense playing well, Case Keenum playing out of his mind, which is still – that'll never be a normal thing. Like I don't care if he keeps <laughs> this pace up for the rest of his career. It's still going to be weird that Case Keenum is doing it, but he's doing it right now. And I'll take the the Vikings because I don't think they've given me reason to not take them. Yeah, they they keep playing so well, and and they're beating good teams. They just beat the Rams about two weeks ago to a score of, I think, 24-7. So they are legit. They're beating good teams all the time. 
Carolina is basically the Cam Newton show, and outside of that, like McCaffrey's underperformed and stuff. So I'm with you. I, I take Minnesota on that one as well. Now let's have a little bit of fun with the NFC East, shall we? Yes. So the Dallas Cowboys, still without Zeke, by the way, traveling to the Meadowlands to play the New York Giants, who sadly for all of us diehard football <laughs> fans do not have Geno Smith as the starter. And your thoughts, BLG, with the Giants getting four and a half points. Also very sad for Eagles fans to see Ben McAdoo get fired. I mean, we, we what are you doing, Giants? You have to keep that guy around. I mean, he's, he's clearly the answer. You just had to give it a little more time, and it would have worked out. Trust me, I'm totally <laughs> saying this. You know, there's no sarcasm here at all. There's no, no uh, ulterior motives. Um, but for real, uh, the Giants did clean house, and Eli Manning's back as starter, which is so bizarre, man. It's just you do you wasted the streak on Geno Smith. Why? Why? Like that 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 whole situation is a mess. I would love love for the Giants to win this game. That would be that would be really really great. If they somehow won, not only because it screws up their draft positioning, but also because it would just be really funny if the Cowboys, who are coming off this win off of Thursday night football, and some people are like, oh, Dallas is back now. And that ridiculousness, which is not true at all. I am going with what I want to happen here. I'm going to take the Giants with the points because I'm also going to hope that the, the Eagles don't even have to win on Sunday to necessarily clinch the East. If the Giants somehow pull off this game, they can allow the Eagles to win the East before the Eagles even play. Yeah, and honestly, as weird as it sounds, I think the Giants really have a shot, and I'll take them with the points because when you get the quarterback back and McAdoo's out of there, the morale in that building is going to be much better. McAdoo hasn't been calling plays for a while, so it's not a huge change up there. They've got some consistency in that regard. I, I just think as a momentum thing that they're going to take this one, and the Eagles are going to be locked in this week. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm going with the Giants, and, and go get them, baby. I, win it for McAdoo. Um, but, <laughs> now, but that brings us now to the more important game, we have the Philadelphia Eagles going to play the Rams in Los Angeles. And right now the Rams are giving two and a half points to the Birds. BLG, your pick. Yeah, that game opened with the Eagles as two and a half point favorites. So that wow. line has swung. That's telling you that people are betting on this Rams team. And again, I think it's overreactionary. I think people are looking at that Seahawks loss and being like, oh, you know, the Eagles are total frauds, and now they, they don't even stand a chance against a good team, and that's ridiculous to me. I think this Eagles team is somehow being underrated despite just one loss. I think they go into Los Angeles where it's not even a hostile environment. I mean, I think there's if we saw how Eagles fans took over at the Chargers game, I don't know if it'll be the exact same thing, but... You know, there's going to be a lot of Eagles fans at this game. So I don't think it's anywhere the situation last week where you're in some kind of tough environment. I think it's kind of going to be a favorable, hopefully, advantage for the Eagles there. And again, I think this pass rush going up against Jared Goff, I feel good about that. I think they're, and I think you said it on Twitter there, Vince, where you think this Eagles team is just, they match up well against the Rams. And I think that's very true. I think the Eagles win this game. So it's a no-brainer for me to take them getting points. Yeah, no doubt. I think the Eagles win this one 
This is a, I think this is a 27-24 thriller in Los Angeles, and I'm going to be there. I'm getting on a flight in a couple of hours. So uh, I'm going to be screaming my lungs out, and I can't wait to be at this game. And hopefully Eagles fans do take over, and they're at the pregame show and you know making a lot of noise there for national television. I'm just, I am all about this one. I'm with you on the Birds rebound. Give me the points. Give me it outright. It, I'm all in on Philly, and, and they're going to win this game. So, And if they don't, Vince, yes. it's all your fault. Damn right it is. I, I, like, I, I love the people, by the way, who are like, like Barchard had the lucky shirt. This year, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, well, you know, I didn't sit in the right armchair on Sunday, so the Eagles lost. It's like, man, if you think that you sitting in an armchair dictates how 53 people on two separate teams play football, you are you just live in a universe that I, I don't know what the rules are. So uh, it, it's just a stupid thing, but I, I always think it's hilarious. Now, if I have that kind of power, then, I mean, what a terrible world this is. Someone's made a huge mistake. But <laughs> w- with that... Uh, any final thoughts you've got here before we wrap up the show? Final thoughts. Again, I want to repeat what I said at the top of the show. I think the Eagles bounce back this week, and I think we have more positivity things going on. So with that said, you know, the holidays are coming up. We have We Were Right Before Christmas at Underground Arts on December 22nd. You can get your tickets for that now. They are $18. You can check out the information at undergroundarts.org. You can also check out the pinned tweet on BGN Radio's Twitter account. That's at BGN underscore radio. So that should be fun. Can't wait for that. And like I said, hopefully, you know, things continue to go well for the Eagles after this one slip up in Seattle. I think they bounce back this week. And let's hope it happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, and again, yeah, the, the event's going to be fun. I'm super stoked for that. And by the way, we're going to be recording the fourth quarter just as soon as we wrap up this. So if you're not on Patreon.com with us, what are you doing? We got all sorts of premium shows. I do an NFL show every week. I'm going to be recording an NFC East show uh, tonight, which I also do every week as well. So we got all sorts of premium stuff for people who subscribe $5 or more. So, uh, again, the fourth quarter will be a part of that where we'll get another extra little Eagles topic out there for you. So stay tuned. And on behalf of Brandon Lee Gowton, I am Vince Quinn. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Brandon Galton for BLG. And for me, you can find me at It's Vince Quinn. Hope to talk to you soon. Stretch your hand and I'm going to chop it off. I dare you ask for a favor from your boss's boss. Shrimp, scampi, angel head noodles, white wine sauce. Rwanda and Ross, reload the Nina Ross. Settle metal when I'm focused on the green Dinero. Hocus Pocus, Gucci Lopez, cake with bacon soda. Cake for soldiers moving weight from Maine to Nova Scotia. Bang revolvers, problem solvers, that and pain the mothers. Lost the child, clips from playing when they hear Belial. Nightmares, walking dead cause they sleep in bed. You either sheep or shit, be scared and cut to pieces. I lust for custom coops with the honey mustard features. Butterfly doors, a whore that makes wine or sober. Her beauty stunning, plus she funny, that's the proper order. Head nods and cat calls, cuz it's pops in order. Yeah, I'm stuntin' all the world is my stage show. Dallas streets cruising around about 4 a.m. Just that fly shit, the type you never seen again. No meats, no leather, I'm just pimpin' a pit. We live that life that you're wishing against. More money, more power, more women and shit. It's